welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. Everybody, I'm Ben Slowey, uh, coming at you uh, this afternoon with um, my next guest. Uh, he is a singer-songwriter. He is a craftsman, uh, creative in many different kinds. Um, he uh, has a website. It's called joeystone.rocks, where you can find all of his uh, merchandise and uh, art and music. And um, I'm excited to talk to him a little bit about a little bit about his background, his passions, and why he does what he does. Joey Stone, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You're very welcome, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've I've got some coffee, had a good nap today, so I'm like ready to rock and roll now, man. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> what's the uh what's the perfect like length nap for you? Like how long do you like to take your naps? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, on a normal day, I think like like an hour and a half nap is pretty solid. Uh, today, I took like a four-hour nap. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was very fulfilling. I feel totally refreshed. It's great. That's, yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, I'm full sleep. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> normally like, like really extended naps like that, like you just wake up so discombobulated from like especially yeah. when it's like in the middle of the afternoon like this yeah pretty much but um i i really needed it because uh i was up late last night playing minecraft for the first time in like a year so oh yeah <laughs> i used to play minecraft in my computer science class in high school um i don't know what it is about that game but it's just like so silly you know Oh, yeah. I, I downloaded this mod for it called Pixelmon, which basically it's like a remake of the Pokemon games. So it was like a whole new experience. It was great. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I myself am, have been pretty tired all day today. Um, long day of episodes and everything, but, you know, um, it's Friday. So um, having the day off tomorrow from doing anything, which right. is nice. Never, yeah, I never really allowed myself that before when I was doing the show, like where I just have a day of the week where I just didn't do anything. And uh, that's something I'm like really trying to like, like force myself to do, you know? Yeah, it's good. But um, so, uh, Joey, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. We have been, uh, we've known of each other for a while now. Um, yeah, we first met in person at a Bremen Cafe show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Was that Anson Obvious, or do you remember what the show was? Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it was it Anson or was it Keystones? I think, I think it was Anson. I think it was Anson. Yeah, it was Anson. Shout out to our good buddy Anson Obvious. Hey. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he'll be on the show uh, in a couple weeks. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, so that was when like, we first met in person. And um, like I'd known of you, like, because like, I knew you made music. Um, I know you were like, you're in Waukesha, right? Right. Yeah, and I'd known, um, I know of a couple bands from Waukesha that, um, you know, I've had on the show or have seen their shows, like, Tacoma Washington Weekday Club, Bandelier yeah. Bacall, Keystones, yeah. Um, yeah. All great bands. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waukesha's, like, and all of them are, like, friends with each other. So, like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, Waukesha seems like a tight, like, the presence it has of a music scene seems very tightly knit. It is, it really is. Everybody, yeah, pretty much everybody's super tight, um, and it's to me pretty pretty amazing how much how much talent comes out of this like little town you know yeah. i know that like y'all have shows out there and like i'll get invited to some but i don't have a car oh shit <laughs> it's <Same. laughs> yeah <laughs> unless i can hitch a ride like yeah it is pretty it's still pretty far but but luckily a lot of walkshaw artists come to milwaukee for their shows so yeah, you um, read my mind. I was going to say, it's funny, I go to a lot of Milwaukee shows, and then the entire lineup will be like Waukesha, Waukesha, Waukesha bands, like all in a row, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
um, package deal, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, Joey, I guess like, um, I'll start with a question uh, that I have been starting to ask people on the show that's been a good little icebreaker. And that's when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was two years old, I started walking around with a little baby electric guitar toy and people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, I want to be a rock star. And I never changed my mind. And That's pretty much it. Um, I mean, <laughs> um, there, there are other things along the way that, that I thought about doing too. Um, like uh, going through high school, I actually kind of wanted to become a choir director, but being very close with my choir director, I learned the jobs were just like slowly dissipating. The benefits were going away, the pay was getting lower, like it's very bad job climate for art and music teachers. So that got kind of nixed. Um, I thought at one point uh, about going into uh, like biochem or bioengineering or something like that. Um, but that's like a lot of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I decided against those things. Uh, but music has always been kind of that straight shot. It's always been the thing, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like that it was the consistent thing your whole life. Um, yeah, I went through like a lot of different aspirations when I was a kid. Like, I think the first job I ever wanted, I remember when I was like four or five, my mom took me to a farmer's market and I wanted to be a tomato picker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was, I just thought it looked like a fun job. But growing yeah. up and now, like, just imagining doing that in the intense heat, that'd be hard. It would be hard. It does sound kind of fun, though. I mean, just like being outdoors and picking tomatoes. That's right. Like it's work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, there's. I feel like there's just such a joy to finding like, a big ass ripe tomato. You know. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I but then like for the longest time, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, when I was a kid, I used to watch the Weather Channel for fun. Like I used to love like the storm stories, and I thought. I just like, I always have really been into like fascinated by weather. So like I wanted to oh, be, cool. yeah, I wanted to be a meteorologist, but I think around high school is when I realized like it's, that's a lot of science, a lot of yeah. math, a lot of stuff I'm not good at. So, but, and I, but that being said, um, but it, I did like, I did still retain like the broadcasting part of it. Um, yeah. So I eventually went into journalism for that reason. Um, but uh, mid um, mid college is when I decided, like, you know, I love music. I think music is is such a like emotional and like timeless medium. And uh, um, I decided that's the kind of journalism I want to do. Want to write about music and fucking means to people, you know? Yeah. No, that's kick-ass. Um, it's funny, as you're talking about that, I was also reminded uh, for a while, actually for quite a long while, I, um, I had aspirations of being like a novelist. I always thought that'd be fun. Um, and for a very, very long time, and even still kind of like a little bit, I wanted to go into like comedy or something like that. And, um, and I've always wanted to do more serious acting as well. I did theater in high school and I've always wanted to like do like film acting and stuff like that too, you know, oh, kind of, yeah. kind of all spinning off the same spindle more or less, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess in a way, like you did sort of um, like, because you have several different mediums at once that are under like the Joey Stone brand, like it's cool like that you can utilize different aspects of your personality into things that, others can connect to right right um and we'll talk about all of them but i guess to start with the music um so like when did you start like playing and like when did it became become like a serious creative outlet for yourself yeah uh so 
very little known fact, um, my technically my first instrument was actually piano, not guitar. Um, and I started playing piano when I was three years old uh, at my mom's house. Um, we had this keyboard that would, uh, that all the keys would like light up and uh, like, cause it had a bunch of preloaded tracks on it, right? So the only way that the keyboard would continue the sequence was if you pushed all the right keys in the right order, right? So basically by vision trained you how to play the piano. So when I was three, you know, it's pretty easy, like push the button, make the nice sound, right? Yeah, right. So I started teaching myself that way. And then by the time I was like four, I was playing a bunch of these songs, like both hands and all the, all the fanciness, like with my eyes closed. And it, it was super, super cool, right? I mean, for a four-year-old, I was pretty badass at the keys. Um, and then eventually uh, we moved house when I was like six and the keyboard mysteriously got misplaced along the way. And so um, that was pretty much the end of my keys career. That was it. <laughs> and I was uh, given a guitar for my seventh birthday. And that's when things really, really took off. But I think having those early experiences with playing music myself. Um, and I used to go to shows with my dad all the time. Uh, he, he plays too. Um, those that kind of instilled that in me at a very, very young age, and I think has kind of helped me along my way, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so once you started, um, once you like got the guitar, as you got a little older, like when did you start writing songs? Um, well, as soon, I, as soon as I got the thing, when I was seven years old, I was already trying to just come up with my own stuff. I wouldn't call it like serious songwriting by any means, but to seven-year-old me, it was. <laughs> right, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I, I started, I think, really having a little bit of a deeper understanding and a little bit more intent in songwriting and stuff like that, starting around age 10. You know, I'd been playing about three years uh, that was about the same time that I started getting into uh, John Mayer and Jack Johnson. Those were my two, two first big like influences. Um, and that was also when I bought my very first CD uh, oh. myself. Um, it was American Idiot by Green Day. Uh, yeah. So one of my favorite albums of all time. I know so many people that started playing guitar because of that album. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's sick. One of my it's a really good album. Yeah, one of my like best friends, my buddy Jack, like that was that was the album that did it for him. It snowballed into something that you would just, you know, just started doing a lot more naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Um I I taught myself, I've always played by ear. Um so you know, my first few years of guitar were very uh very, I, I don't want to say hit and miss, a trial and error. That's what I was looking for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of trial and error, a lot of like plodding through the mud blindfolded and just kind of like trying to find my own way, you know? Um, and it was probably around, I would say, because I mean, like none of the songs that I wrote when I was 10, it, they don't exist anymore in any... In yeah, any does, that, does that some Joey Stone lost tapes? <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there are. In fact, I have, I have a CD from, it was my first official gig at the coffee house in Milwaukee. And oh. yeah, and I still have that CD um, sitting around somewhere. But uh, I started really, I think, writing songs that, that still exist around the age, like 13, 14. Like a lot of people don't know this, but uh, a lot of the blues songs, like my original stuff that I play, a good chunk of that I wrote between the ages of like four, like 13 and 16, and I still play those songs. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's super cool. I mean, um, yeah, it's cool how you can just carry those with you like over the years and... Um, you know, clearly you, you were doing something right from a young age, right? Right, that's, that's what I figure. I mean, like, 
I don't write as much as I used to. I think uh, over the years, I just like, I keep on raising the bar for myself and uh, it, it almost becomes self-discouraging. But some of these songs that I wrote, you know, when I was, when I was younger that, that I still enjoy, um, I don't know, I guess they, they just, they aged well with me. Um, I mean, sure, I've tweaked them over the years and stuff like that. But uh, it's kind of like they, they were already born before I start, before I became the level of hypercritical of myself that I am now. Yeah. So they're, they're already in here. I can't, I can't undo them because they're, they're so old, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, like, I feel like the more I do the show, the more critical I am of myself, too, so... It's, it's everyone's comp, the creative complex, you know? Right, right. The more you do what you love, the more that you hate what you do. Not, yeah. not that I hate doing it, but rather my, my own creations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Abomination to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, there's yeah. times where, like, I'm, like, editing an episode and I'm, like, you know, just playing back the conversation. I'm, like, oh, like. Why didn't I forgot to talk to them about this? I forgot to ask them this question. Like, why, why was I rambling so much at this point? Like, it's it's such an it's an irregular, imperfect journey, but one that is just like, you know, you just you have to remember why you started doing it in the first place. You know, because it. It's how you started. It's how you make sense of the world. Uh, so uh, tell me about uh, bodies of work that you've released uh, music-wise. Sure. Um, so, uh, gosh, that's, that's a little bit complicated um, in the sense that, like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just start. So, oh, man, the first time I ever put anything on a CD was probably like besides the live recording that I got done at that first show that I did. Um, I mean, I used to record stuff at home uh, starting when I was, when I was 14. Um, I was using uh, my dad's Mac computer at the time with GarageBand. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's actually when I started really getting into electric guitar. So it was a lot of me doing uh, what I considered shredding at the time and just like noodling around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and those got released onto social media at that time. Um, those recordings no longer exist, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, I released those first blues songs around, you know, between ages 14 and 16, took them down, uh, and then I've kind of just repeatedly re-released and then re-erased things like several times along the way as, you know, I go back and I listen to some of these recordings and I go, oh, I don't like this, 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 that. Let's get this thing off the interwebs so that <laughs> there's no evidence of its existence anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, but I haven't released at like a full length album yet. Uh, I did release uh, two EPs. It was probably one of one of the most foolhardy things I ever did. Uh, and it was uh, when I played Summerfest for uh, technically the second time, but it was like three years ago. And uh, I announced like a month before I was supposed to do this this gig that I was gonna be releasing my first EP. Um, and so I went ahead and I started uh, figuring out what songs I wanted to put on there, which ones I didn't, et cetera, et cetera. And part of the challenge of that for me and coming up with like a full body of work, uh, like a full length album, uh, has been that my music spans like a few different genres and I feel like sonically, some of it just like doesn't go together. Um, like I've got my roots in like, you know, folk music um, and then I've got roots in, you know, blues and jazz. And then I've got my, my more, what I think is more characteristic of my style now, like 
uh, where it's my Joey Stone style of music where I mix like jazz, blues, reggae, indie, rock, hip hop. It's kind of this crazy fusion thing. It's a, it's a great big fun mess and I really enjoy doing that stuff. Um, so then a couple, what was it, two weeks maybe before this show, I haven't recorded anything, right? I've recorded nothing. And uh, I decide, hey, you know what? Why don't I make the most of this? I'm gonna record all the music. And so that it's sonically cohesive, I'll just release it as two EPs, right? Two short little albums, we'll do it that way. Great idea, Joey. It's only two weeks, you'll be fine. So fast forward uh, 10 days from then, still I've recorded nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have recorded nothing and um, I spent 36 hours uh, awake recording both of those EPs and released them both that day as I went to Summerfest. In fact, I remember at the time I had a car I was driving and on the car ride there, I had my laptop on the seat next to me, a pile of blank CDs in my lap and a pile of cases that was also on the seat. And as I'm sitting there driving down 94, CD would pop out, keep my eyes on the road, grab a case, throw it in, eyes still on the road, slip another CD in the laptop, keep going, right? I'm sitting there, I'm like trying to pry my eyes open because at that point I've been awake for, you know, over three days. Um, yeah, so when I said it was like one of the most foolhardy things I've ever done, I mean, at so many different crossroads. <laughs> at so many different crossroads, I could have done it differently, but uh, in some sense, I'm glad I didn't because out of that experience, um, at, the, at the very end of that big haul, and I, I titled the EPs very simply Roman numeral one and Roman numeral two. Okay. And... And they also happen to go in chronological order of when I wrote the songs, right? So like the folk and bluesy stuff is on the first one. The more new age fusiony stuff is on like the second one. Um, and out of that experience, at the very end of that stint, after I got all the songs recorded on that second EP, I was like, you know, ah, oh, this could really use some more content. Let's see what I can come up with. So then I grabbed my guitar and uh, I laid down uh, basically like a kind of like a metronome that sounded like a stomp. Um, and then grabbed my guitar, pushed record, and just improvised a guitar part one time all the way through. And then uh, sat down within a matter of like an hour or two, came up with all the lyrics, recorded it, did some harmonies. And to this day, it's actually one of my favorite songs that I've written, period. Uh, it's called Smooth and Sharp. And so that song was written at the end of a 36 hour recording binge, no sleep. Uh, pretty sure I was also like super stoned at the time, you know, super stoned, lots of caffeine. It was like all the unhealthy things, you know? <laughs> um, so while I would have, I, there are obviously things I would have changed about that experience. Um, I think overall it, it did work out for the better. Now, some of those recordings, uh, like those two EPs, some of those recordings, I went back and I listened to them like a few weeks later and I'm like, ooh, you really rushed that one, Joey. You really should have, <laughs> you really should have taken your time and, and done this right. You know, do it once and do it right the first time, you know? Um, so some of those I still have to redo, but, uh, there are a few pieces, a couple scattered tracks out of there that I still have available on, you know, the social media and all that stuff. So cool. how'd the, uh, actual Summerfest set go? Uh, it was, it was okay. It was all right. Um, it was at Tiki Hut and, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be like grumpy or, or bad mouth or anything, but like the experience with the guy who owns the place was, was not awesome. Um, it's, it's a pay to play stage, um, which to me, like fundamentally, like on an, on an ethical level is just like, it's kind of messed up. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, wait, I agree. Me to pay you for me to come to work, right? Like, right. that that doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, and so that was one big issue I had with it. Uh, and then on top of it, like, I left some of my gear back there, like behind the stage, and I was assured that it would be super safe, and it it wasn't. Some of my stuff got messed up. Um, but I mean, overall, overall, I, I'd say the experience was a positive one. Um, I think, it, you know, I made the best of it that I could. So it was more like, after the fact, I was less happy with it than I was while I was doing it, if that makes sure. sense. So the actual experience itself and getting to do that, um, it was pretty stressful, but it was, it was pretty fun though. I, I really enjoyed it, you know, being, being at Summerfest, being on a stage, all that good stuff. Uh, I met a lot of really cool people that, that I still keep in touch with from all over the place. And uh, I think it did definitely help uh, give me a kick in the ass to kind of get my name out there. And the fact that I did go ahead and release those two EPs and people had something to walk away with really helped out a lot. And that was also the first show where I sold any of my Get Stoned t-shirts. So mm -hmm. that show marked a lot of really important firsts for me. And it was, it was a catalyst for a lot of other things that followed. So overall, positive experience. <laughs> um speaking of which uh i want to get me one of those stone shirts yeah for sure man just let me know what what size you want what color you want i can do different color different color shirts different color prints um i mean i can customize as much as you want so hell yeah dude well for sure we'll we'll, we'll secure that um yeah. yeah and like i mean it's good that like you know you weighed the pros and cons of like that part of like your music career like 36 hours of putting tracks together and and getting cds done and leading up to a set like i mean that is i mean like people do stuff like that you know and a lot of it's it can be grueling but it's also like you know, you discover through doing things like that, what works and what doesn't work. Right. Um, and um, so I'm glad that like over the last couple of years, like they have made a, um, an active effort to include more local music in Summerfest because without local music in Summerfest, Summerfest would be, I feel like very parasitic to Milwaukee's culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And it, honestly, it'd probably be pretty sparse, too, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that, like, they're doing that because, I mean, considering just how big of a scale it is, like, it's cool when, you know, singer-songwriters such as yourself are in front of a lot of people and meeting a lot of people. Um, so, um, so that being all said, so, like, where are you at with your music right now? So right now, um, it's, it's interesting you ask. So I've actually taken uh, the past, I don't know, time's a construct now, right? It, it doesn't really matter how many days are in a week. Nobody cares, right? <laughs> but um, I've taken a hiatus from music for the last however many months since before quarantine really started, you know. Um, and I've just been like super, super reclusive uh and spending a lot of time just like doing other things for myself that i'm hoping will eventually come full circle around to like my own well-being and help me be you know more creative um but uh right now i actually have my first show uh resurfacing from you know hermiting for however long At the uh, up and under right yeah, the up and under this Saturday. So I'm super pumped. I'm gonna be with a band called uh, The Force Lights, and oh, it's Alec Orozca. I mm. think that's I think that's his last name. I really hope I'm not messing it up. <laughs> I feel really bad. Let us know, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but uh, I'm really pumped about that. Um, and I'm still always trying to work on 
new original music that eventually I can get a full length album out there. Um, because it, again, you know, like the, the blues stuff and the folk stuff is, is really cool and I really like it and I love playing it live. But to me, like a lot of like folk music and blues music, it's it, not that it's not creative by any means, but it's a lot of formula writing, right? Like uh, there's a reason they call it the 12 bar blues. It's because there's always 12 bars and it's always the same few chords with variations within, right? Um, so while it's super fun to play, I mean, blues is easily one of my favorite forms of musical expression by far. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, when it comes to stretching my own creative wings and really wanting to put out something out there that I feel is a representation of me, as a person and what I want to put out there musically, um, it doesn't necessarily fill that bill completely, you know? So um, at this time, I'm still working on trying to get together more of those, that later era Joey Stone style tracks that has the mixture of, you know, the jazz and, and the blues is in there, of course, like the jazz, the blues, uh, reggae, indie, rock, hip-hop tendencies, like all that stuff kind of put together. Uh, and right now I've got maybe four or five tracks that kind of fit that bill. I'd like to have closer to 10. Mm -hmm. And my writing pace is just sluggish. <laughs> I, I'm in like a four year long writer's block now. And it's, it's nuts. Like the first Joey Stone style song I wrote was when I was like 19 or 20. That song's called Shot Collar. So that one's, uh, I think I've had a live recording of it. I just put up on my Facebook. Um, and then it was like three years after that, I wrote one of my favorite songs to this day still. Uh, uh, it's called Smoking in the Dark. And um, it's, uh, kind of like melodically like a little more complex it's a little bit more to digest as a listener and I've I've doubted that song a lot of times over the years because uh, one of the most important things to do while maintaining your creative integrity is to also make sure that your stuff is listenable on a wider scale so not selling out but I've been working on coming to like a compromise you know, to make sure that my stuff is palatable, that I'm not just taking a big platter and throwing it in your face, but giving you, you know, little doses of the complexity while making it still yeah, digestible. Yeah. Um, so that song, you know, I didn't write anything for like three years. And then I wrote Smoking in the Dark. It didn't, actually, I think it was five years. And then three years after that, I wrote Smooth and Sharp. So, you know, we're talking over the span of like almost 10 years and I only wrote like three songs. Ooh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, looking at getting back into doing more live shows. Um, really hoping uh, that still keeps being a thing for as long as it can, you know? And um, trying to find a way to get a torch under my own ass to get, to get some more writing done, you know? I, I hear you. Well, I mean, that's it's exciting to hear that you are, you know, you are, um, you know, um, you're calibrating what Joey Stone is going to look like uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, well, we'll be looking out for uh, your stuff uh, once you, uh, once you, once you just, you're done with it, but you know, take your time though. Yeah, for sure. I know where I take my time five years later. <laughs> so That's how about exaggeration? <laughs> yeah. So how about um your other stuff that you do work on that's on your website? So obviously it's Joey Stone Rocks is your website. So like you want to talk a little bit about the merchandise and the projects you've got going on um besides the music. Yeah, so um I've got, you know, t-shirts, uh baseball caps, beanies, um I actually did uh, only, there's only one pair that exists right now of leggings that says get stoned right on the booty. Nice. And 
And that pair of leggings belongs to Andy Pritchard, who was, oh gosh, I, I don't know if he was originally a Waukesha guy. I know he's linked in with all the Waukesha guys. Yeah. But uh, I played a couple shows with, with Andy, and I first met him at Glacier Valley Music Fest uh, through Party Marty. And oh, yeah. Shout out to Party Marty. Yeah. And shout out to Andy, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there's the one pair of Get Stoned uh, booty leggings out there. But, um, yeah, so I make all that merch, and what I did was I created a design and used a, a stencil cutter which is essentially a glorified soldering iron with a fine tip and just like cut the thing out, you know, and then I use that to screen print all of my merch with uh, professional grade fabric paint. Mm. So uh, what's nice about that, because I, I used to go through a friend of mine before that did them with vinyl, used a vinyl cutter and a press and all that stuff. Um, but as Shania Twain once said, it didn't impress me much. <laughs> it's, uh, the stuff just started peeling off left and right and um, I it just wasn't super happy with that result and while I know that vinyl can be a really great medium for that stuff uh, what's nice about painting it well a couple things number one I'm painting it myself I'm doing it by hand you know I literally sponge paint the stuff on there using the stencil sure but it's still hand painted you know so I feel I feel good knowing that my own hard work and kind of my own heart and soul, so to speak, went into every single piece of merch that, that leaves my store, you know? Yeah. Um, and I can also make them glow in the dark now, which is, which I think is awesome in the, I don't, uh, at least with the guy I was going through, there was no glow in the dark vinyl involved. So, <laughs> so that was really exciting. Um, I've got a lot more options now. I do everything by hand and it's, it's all very personal in that sense. Um, so that's pretty much it as far as the, just like the clothing and stuff goes. I mean, uh, oh yeah, and I've also done like, like bags, I've done purses, I've done stash bags, wink. Um, <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a get stoned on them and stuff like that. Uh, super inconspicuous, right? But people <laughs> like it, so it works out. Um, but then it's where I put my it's where I put my ibuprofen, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's that's yeah, just where I keep my my pain meds. That's that's all. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, besides that, what was it? I think. So Stone Creations, which is where I do pretty much all the merch from, all the physical, like, artwork type stuff. Uh, what day is it? It's about to have its two-year birthday, which is, oh. which is pretty exciting. And that's when I started doing the stuff with uh, the guitar strings and gemstones and all that. Um, and the idea actually first came from, it's funny now thinking about it, back to that Summerfest gig. Uh, what I originally did was I took guitar strings, which I've been saving my strings since I was seven years old. So every time a set of strings has come off my guitar, I don't just throw them away. They all get put in a container. So some of these strings are like 20 year old relics from when I first started playing, which I thought was kind of neat. And I wanted to do something different with my merch uh, that like nobody else was doing, right? At least nobody that I knew personally. And so I started making little like guitar string flowers and I was gonna, and I, I bought some, uh, there are pieces of like bone and antler and stuff like that from this guy uh, at State Fair, Wisconsin State Fair. And I think his store is called like Tony's Trading Outpost, something like that. It's the guy that's got all the furs and stuff like that, right? Sure. Okay. So I bought this big old box of, it was actually chunks of antler, but they looked kind of like tree rings and stuff like that to me. So I would take these guitar string flowers and I'd, I'd stick them in there and it looked like flowers growing out of a stump. So I, it originally started as like, you know, miniature sculptures. Um, and then I started making pendants and stuff like that out of the guitar strings. And then I uh, started incorporating, you know, gemstone beads and stuff like that. Um, 
and eventually started using pieces of broken guitar picks. So now I've got, you know, the bracelets, earrings, pendants, necklaces, all sorts of stuff that's all made out of guitar strings, guitar picks, gemstones, and stuff that I've either played on in shows or that I've at least used like in rehearsals or home practice. Um, and that's something I try to really, really adhere by. I don't want to just like be ordering, you know, guitar picks by the hundreds and then just, you know, slap them on this, slap them on that. Hooray, I'm done. I, much like the t-shirts, I want it to be something that has like a piece of my journey or a piece of me in it, you know? That was the whole point of doing stuff with the strings in the first place was, hey, these are strings, you know, from my childhood when I first started off playing, you know, there's, there's a piece of my musical self in there, so to speak, yeah. you know? Um, so even if it's like, I sit down and I play a song for five minutes on a pick and then it goes on a piece of jewelry, it's been played on, you know? <laughs> that's, dude, that's super cool. I mean, for no pun intended, it's really crafty, like, to be putting, you know, to be making use of something that, you know, for one, has sentimental value to you, but then turning it into, you know, just something artful and, and that, you know, it, that has, like, a really like unique aesthetic. I, I, that is really awesome that like you've made use of those strings in that way. Um, oh yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks. It's and um, a big part of that was uh, like I've always been really into like reusing, recycling, and all that kind of stuff. So that was part of the original inspiration too. Because uh, as a kid, I just remember thinking when I took my my strings off my guitar. And I was like, you just, you just throw them away. Like yeah. this is still a, this is metal. Like you, you, you could surely use it for something. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it was almost 20 years until I did, but I did it. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, that's cool that, you know, something that could be, you know, people see no like merit to keeping. I mean, you turn it into something new, so. That's a, that is a good, um, good virtue. So, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. I try to do that as much as I can. And everything I use, uh, I really try to stick with eco-friendly stuff. So even if you, if you dropped it on the ground or, you know, whatever might happen to it, I mean, hopefully you're, hopefully you're not going to drop it in the water because that's like even worse, but <laughs> heaven forbid you did, it's metal and stones so like it's it's not going to like pollute the groundwater you know what i mean yeah 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 for sure well hell yeah dude um i guess the last thing i wanted to ask um it would be just like so and you're talking a little bit about your music and getting slowly integrating yourself back into shows um you know like the spark the scarcity of shows obviously right um but yeah, I guess like what are some more of like your goals like for, as you know, we're in the second half of 2020 now. Um, yeah, what are some things uh, you're setting your mind to in the months to come? Yeah, so uh, that's an excellent question. Um, so I think, and this is something I've wanted to do for a really long time. I really, really want to get a consistent band together. Um, and that's always kind of been a struggle. It's, it's really tough just to get a few guys in the same room and, and not only that, but to get the right people all in the same room together. Cause it's not just, you know, do, do me and the bassist click, do me and the drummer click. It has to be, do me and the bassist click, do the bassist and the drummer click, do me and the drummer click, you know, it's, yeah. it's gotta go all around. And um, not only on like a personal level, but uh, our musical personalities have to also really mesh together well. Um, and I, I move at a pretty fast pace. Uh, I've, I've had a couple um, inklings of bands starting up and being someone that's played by ear my entire life, I'm super used to, like, I hear it, 
I can play it back, right? So, and this is something that I've got to work on myself too, is I, I kind of bring almost that same expectation to the table when I'm, when I'm playing with other musicians, where I can say, okay, you know, play, play this, da 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 go, right? And if they don't get it within like five minutes, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, yeah. and it's, and I find my, myself needing to exercise more patience that way. But at the same time, I have to weigh, okay, should I be more patient or should I really be holding the other musicians in my group to that same standard? So there's the same level of energy that's, you know, that's going around. So anyway, so something I'd really like to do is I'd like to get a band together or if nothing else, I'd love to be part of even just another band. Um, my biggest love is playing guitar. I consider myself a guitarist first and a vocalist second. Um, so it, I would, oh, and also a bassist third. So I would, I would love to get into either my own band or another band. Um, and if I were doing someone else's band, I think it'd be really fun to just play guitar or just play the bass. Um, but I also feel on the, on the songwriting level, having a band together and having that space to, to fill out everything that I'm doing would help me at least to do more songwriting and, and to book more exciting shows. Cause dude, I'm super bored of myself. Super, super bored, you know? Like all these years of playing solo, it's, I'm super over yeah. it, man. I'm sick of hearing me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm really not that great. I would much rather hear the other people in the group and have a synergy with them. To me, that's exciting. Just me playing guitar and singing and doing my thing, uh, not to like knock myself as an artist, I guess, right? Like, please still come to my shows. But just to me personally, not that exciting. So band, big goal, uh, book more shows, very big goal. Um, write some more songs so I can get another EP together. Uh, and off the top of my head, I would say those are, those are like the major ones. Um, I've kind of been slacking on, on the whole artwork frontier too. I haven't posted like anything to my jewelry page in like a few months. I haven't made any posts. I haven't advertised anything. I've just been super reclusive as a, as I like to call it, closet introvert. <laughs> I've really taken advantage of the pandemic in the sense of like, I don't have to talk to anybody really. Yeah. I don't have to go anywhere. Dude. Yeah. I I'm in the same boat. Like I'm very reclusive by nature as well. And like doing the show kind of like forces me not to be, but right. Maybe that's why I'm so tired all the time this past week. Cause like I have to, I have to find, I have to muster all the energy to interact with people. But I think it's just with the times we live in a very emotionally taxing time. We do. We, we really do. It's been uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, you know? Um, and I find I go through this, this kind of ebb and flow of really just wanting to be by myself you know, like I remember it was between mm, like February and, and May of this year of 2020, uh, where the last place I was living at, I had a basement room, which was awesome. And I literally like at one point I shut myself in that room and pretty much didn't come out uh, for almost that entire time, just kind of oh, shut myself in that room, made tons of jewelry, played lots of guitar, uh, got back into anime, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a lot of like self-care and just becoming more comfortable with just myself. Yeah. Um, and then I go through these little ebbs where it's like, eh, maybe I'd like to be around people for, for just a little bit, right? like one social outing every now and then. And uh, no, you're right, it is very taxing. Um, this whole, everything that's going on right now is, is pretty emotionally, mentally taxing for everybody, you know? So I've been making the most of it. Yeah, I like <laughs> to think I have too, so. 
All right, well, Joey, um, it's been great to uh, hear all about your music, your crafts, your website, your just uh, how you are trucking through um, this confusing time as we all are, you know, um, that's yeah. something that we didn't have to talk about six months ago, but now it's at the forefront of all of our minds. And um, So, uh, Joey, as we close out, um, Tell me what keeps you up at night. Ooh. Um, gosh. Oh, that's that's a loaded question. I'll try, I'll try to keep it relatively brief. Um, what keeps me up at night? Honestly, the the uncertainty of where we are as a society, specifically here in the United States, um, is something that is very ever present in right, you know, it, I wouldn't say not necessarily right on the front burner, but maybe it, maybe not the back burner. You know how they, they have the one small one and the one big one? It's yeah. on the big back burner, <laughs> right? And uh, I mean, I've been saying this since I was like 14, 15, and I started learning about uh, ancient history in school and stuff like that. And uh, sociopolitically, the United States has been at a boiling point for, for a while. Um, and I just, I worry where things are going to go. I mean, I don't want to get like too, too political, but I mean, you know, of course, as we all predicted, Donald Trump is trying to delay the election. We've got stormtroopers being sent into the States and taking people into unmarked vans. And it's like, if you look at history, the stage has been set for some time and it's kind of like everything is happening exactly the way that one would expect it to happen for a full on, I don't mean to sound like a drama queen or anything, but again, just speaking to history uh, for like a societal collapse of sorts or a, a dissolution of, of the state of the nation that, that we have right now, you know, whether that's going to mean the United States dissolves and we have a huge cluster of independent city-states kind of like Europe and the EU, I don't necessarily think that'd be a bad thing, right? right. Um, that, that could work out if it works out peacefully. Uh, but, you know, it's just shit hitting the fan kind of yeah. troubles me. And, and there's so much misinformation out there these days. There's, there's so much people on Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever social media, there's a lot of blind sharing, a lot of blind copy and pasting, nobody's doing their homework. Uh, and we're seeing a big, big resurgence of just like blatant propaganda pieces, you know, much like stuff that we've seen in the past, but that is uh, hugely accelerated and, um, has been given a lot more power by the advent of social media and the internet. You know, those things didn't, they, they didn't exist back in, uh, gosh, you know, World War One, World War Two, when we did have a lot of propaganda pieces going around, or even say, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, during the Cold War, internet wasn't like really a thing, but you no. still saw a lot of propaganda pieces and stuff like that going out there this time around uh, the vehicle for that kind of information is infinitely powerful. Yeah. So however much energy these people are willing to put into this information, that's how far it's going to reach. And so far has proven, I, I got to say, extraordinarily effective at, at dividing the population so distinctly at this point, you know, um, and, you know, one has to worry that, again, are we going to see some kind of dissolution of the states? Are we going to see another, uh, you know, another Mason-Dixon line type situation? Um, I don't think that's going to happen because it seems like even within the states themselves, there's such a huge polarization of, of opinions and, and all this stuff. Uh, so... I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, hopefully it all goes down safely. Hopefully November 3rd is totally normal, right? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
Yeah. yeah Not to get too heavy there, but that, that is what keeps me up at night. No, I mean, it's, I think that's, I think that you articulated it really well. Like, there's a lot that can be said about exactly all that stuff. The societal collapse, existential dread, the apocalyptic feelings that right. make us tremble. Like, I mean, that keeps me up. Sometimes, though, like, it's just like, you know, it, we feel powerless against it. And, like, you know, that leads to a lot of, like, despair. And, um, you know, I, I think that we are making strides as, a pe as the people. I, I have no faith in, like, the bipartisan system anymore. Yeah. Like, I have... This year pro proved that, like, you know, we are just, we've been on, we've needed some kind of, like, systemic change, like, widespread change for the way we vote, the way we allocate power, the way we're represented, the way, you know, we, the way justice is served, all of it. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Electoral college, you had one job. One yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> what uh so what puts you to sleep? That's the second question. What puts me to sleep? Um hmm. Let me think. Uh exhaustion. No. <laughs> um oh gosh. Ooh, close quick closing thought on the on the last question. It's you know, talking about you know apocalyptic feelings and all that stuff. It's been pretty nuts. Like I've prioritized in the past few weeks, part of the reason I've been going hiking so much, I've been taking my six-year-old son with me and I'm no doomsday prepper by any means, but am I teaching him which plants are edible and which ones are not? Am I teaching him how to build a fire or how to use mud as mosquito repellent? Like absolutely. And it's, it's kind of wild to me that those things are like becoming all the more valid as we as this uncertainty kind of keeps increasing and increasing. But as far as what puts me to sleep at night, um, I guess kind of almost going off of that is the hope and the reassurance that I see on the flip side of the coin, kind of like you mentioned, um, you know, we're, we're seeing people are taking a stand with, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the protests, with um, defunding or abolishing the police. Uh, we're seeing people are speaking out about wanting a wide systemic change. And uh, even though he got screwed by the DNC, RIP Bernie, you know, we're, we're seeing all these radical ideas that he talked about years ago. Now that's almost like kind of the standard for where people want things to go. And I try to reassure myself that, you know, say, even if, you know, um, you know, obviously our choice uh, on, you know, the left side of the bridge is Biden. And even if he gets elected, I'm pretty confident he's going to allow those, you know, progressive people to kind of pull the strings a little bit, so to speak. I think he's going to work with those people and create those changes, because if he doesn't, then, well, then he's, he's not going to get elected, period. Um, but besides that, I mean, if we're like getting out of politics, like what really helps me like relax and put me to sleep, uh, probably the number one thing, honestly, just like hanging out with my kid. That's probably the, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, we, uh, you know, every night before bed, uh, we read Winnie the Pooh. Um, you know, like the, the original books from like, what was it like super early 1900s? Those books are almost a hundred years old. Wow. Uh, I didn't know it was that old shit. I know, right? So we just finished, we accidentally started with the second one. So uh, after almost two years of reading it on and off, I mean, it's a big book and, and the language is actually really dense. Um, we just finished The House on Pooh Corner and uh, now we are reading the, the first book, just Winnie the Pooh. So there's anything that puts me at ease and helps me relax and kind of reassure my my faith in society it is the younger generation and and knowing that things are moving in, in a positive direction and just kind of trying to be more present you know and and 
that really helps me get away from all of that existential dread and all that stuff. Uh, it, it gives me purpose, you know, like my, like my one, you know, big driving purpose in life now is to take care of this little human, you know, this little, this little miniature me and, and nurture him as much as I can and make sure his life is as happy as it can be. And that, uh, yeah, it knocks me right the fuck out between eight and 9 PM. <laughs> oh well it's getting pretty late for you then at this point but you also took a nap today so that's true and i don't have my son today so i'll probably be up until about 5 a.m <laughs> oh shit well there you go <laughs> well thank you so much joey stone for being on the show thank um, you so much for having me you bet we'll be posting a link to your website um and uh stay tuned everybody for uh, some joey stone music coming up coming at us uh, in months to come Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.